question. What are you called to do? Ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life, but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. Evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I help churches. I help ministries with their, their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. And everything in regards to that man's call. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Uh, accountant Jones, no, I, I pastored for 35 years. I, I, I had a, a membership of 750 people. Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this, you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you. And again, in regards to this man's calling, everything he's done in life would be burned up before the judgment seat of Christ. Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. Enter 
ministering to the joy of your Lord. So remember, in regards to the calling that's on your life, you won't be judged according to what you did. You will be judged according to what you were called to do. a um, powerful video because what I want you to understand this morning I'm going to bring a message to you about the call and being called but I want you to understand something it's never about what you do it's always about who you do it for and so the calling is never about what we do it's always been about the who it's always been about doing everything that we do for the glory of God. And I want you to understand this morning, while yes, it's an ordination service, and while yes, there'll be pastors and teachers set forth, I want you to understand something. I'm not preaching to them this morning because they have answered the call, but who I am speaking to this morning is people that are seated all over this room right now. And the truth of it is, is you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't know if I have a calling. I don't know if I have a purpose. I don't know if I have a reason. I just feel like I'm going through the motions. I want you to know that every single person under the sound of my voice, you've got a calling on your life and only you can fulfill that calling. Since the foundations of the earth, he marked you. He identified you. He purposed you and said, you've got a gifting. You've got a calling. I put it in you and now I'm going to take your life and I'm going to use your life to pull it out of you. And so, yes, while there'll be those that are ordained this morning, they have already answered the call. I don't need to preach to them this morning, but what I need to preach to is the company, the army, the family of faith that sits behind them this morning and let them know you've got a calling too. You've got a purpose. You've got a destiny. You've got something inside of you that only you can do and nobody else in this room can do it. So this morning I want to talk in a different tone. I want there to be a different vibe that comes from this altar this morning because I am not a pastor. I'm not an apostle speaking to a church. I am a person who's been called speaking to people that are called. I want us to understand the magnitude and the measure of the calling of God on our lives. I want you to know that in that calling is your purpose. In that calling is your passion. In that calling is every desire you desire. Every, every dream that you've ever dreamed. Once you begin to step into the fulfillment of that calling it's then that all of, all of, all of a sudden you'll, you'll encounter the full measure of the purpose and the plan of God over his life, over your life that he has for you yes. Ephesians 4 and 1 is the text that I want to use this morning and it says in Ephesians 4 and 1 therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Get this, leave it up there. He says, therefore, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord. In other words, my life is linked to serving, for living, for following Jesus. I, I can't get away from God if I wanted to. I can't, I can't just go get a job and, and call it fulfillment. There is a calling that is on my life. It comes with such weight and conviction that the only one that really under, understands it and gets me is God because he's the one that gave it to me. He, Paul said, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner. And he says, and therefore I beg you, 
My God, he didn't say I preached to you. He didn't say that I, I challenge you. I want you to imagine a man down in the dirt of a cold, damp, dark cell and he is on his knees and he's saying, my God, please fulfill the calling. Live a life worthy of the calling. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Please, please, please live a life that is worthy of the calling of God because you've been called by God. There's a begging of understanding that Paul understands that unless, unless you heed to the call, the fulfillment and the plan of God stands still. Unless you get up and get going with the dreams, the desires, the passion, the will that God has put in you, that nobody can fulfill it but you. There's not anybody else in this room that can fulfill what God has put inside of you. You've been strategically and specifically designed. God told Jeremiah, he said, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans of good and not evil to give you a future and a hope and to bring you about to an expected end he told jeremiah when you were in your mother's womb i knit you together i put dream inside of destiny purpose inside of passion ah you better hear me this morning he was knitting each and every one of us and jeremiah said before i was even in my mother's womb you knew me Confirming that indeed our fleshly bodies are but substance, but the plan and the purpose of God is attached to our soul. It's, a, it's not something that's visual and can be seen, but when you get in contact with the caller, the calling begins to come out. That what's hidden beneath the surface begins to be revealed, begins to be shown, and all of a sudden, what man would call dirt, God begins to call destiny. What people would call pain, God calls his purpose. And all of a sudden, it begins to mold like the, the clay upon the wheel and he begins to take our lives and form us, shape us into a vessel that only we can become. Nobody else can do what you're called to do. Nobody else can fulfill that. I know that there's people here this morning under the sound of my voice and you're living in a complicated climate. It's difficult. You're living in difficulty. You're worn down, you're physically drained, you're emotionally exhausted, and you're spiritually discouraged. And here you have a man that's saying, no, you're called. See, I know that there's people under the sound of my voice today that would say, I I'm just tired, I'm depleted, I'm weary, I, 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 I can't do it anymore. Can I tell you something? The devil cannot destroy you, but he can only discourage you. And if he can discourage you, he can disconnect you from courage. And it's the kind of courage that takes a young shepherd boy to stand in front of a giant and say, who are you? Who do you think you are? And so the plan of the enemy is to disconnect you from your courage so that you won't go forward and fight the good fight of faith. He cannot destroy you. But he can discourage you. See, there's people in this room right now that say, I can't keep going. And if I do, is it even worth it? Does, does what I do even really matter? First, let me tell you, it's not what you do. Your identity is not in your performance. Your identity is found in his presence. It's not what you do. It's who you do it for. How do you overcome the discouragement? How do you overcome the exhaustion, self-doubt, spiritual opposition? Whew. How do you keep passion alive for months, years, and decades? You've got to know that you're called. 
See, because the calling, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but the calling sustains you. When everyone else quits, the calling will keep you in. When everyone else walks away, the calling will keep you walking to him. It's something that you can't shake. Though, yeah, Job said, though he slay me, his name will I praise. There is a calling that you may be surrounded around my deathbed, but you're not going to get it because I ain't going to quit. There's something on the inside of me that God put there, and man can't take it away. I got to keep going because it's a demand on my life. I wish there'd be ten people in this house that are called and understand he's for you he's going to see you through you got to keep going because you're called to it hallelujah so you say what am I called to most people think jobs most people think promotions and titles but let me tell you what you're called to. I want to give you three things that you're called to. The first thing, the first calling that's in this house right now is you got to understand that there's a calling of salvation. You are called to salvation. That's the first calling that you got to fulfill on your life. Why? Because everything else in your life is connected to you coming to the knowledge and repentance that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is God the Son as much as he's God the Father and God the Spirit. you got to come. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I am the door in which the sheep must pass through. And any man that comes any other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. you got to come to salvation to come into anything else. And so the first calling on your life is understanding that you, you're called to be saved. Because before God ever calls you to a job, he's going to call you to himself. Woo. Before he ever calls you to a job, he's going to call you to himself. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners to repentance. He said, come, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. See that it is easy and my burden is like, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. There is a clarion call in this room this morning that if you're really going to fulfill the purpose and the calling of God on your life, you have to first come to Jesus, who is the door. Judas came and kissed him, only to turn around and head back out to hell. But there's a door that is open, an exceedingly abundant door, that when you step into it, you'll begin to walk into purpose. You'll begin to walk into passion. You'll begin to see the dreams and the plans. And the vision that God has for your life. But everything is behind that door. The second thing that I want you to know is that God calls you, the second calling on your life is sanctification. <laughs> See, He said, I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling. I don't want to live my life for the calling, only to find out. When I stand before him, I was unworthy. See, you don't understand the weight until you begin to read in the scriptures where the apostle Paul is speaking, and he's speaking to the church, and he says, Woe unto me, that if I preach to men, and I myself am disqualified. See, what he was talking about is, woe unto me if I live my whole life. Can you imagine how traumatizing it would be? Paul, and I'll say the scripture in a moment, we'll go there. But he says, I have ran the race. I have finished the course. Can you imagine running a race for 72 years to get to the end of it to find out you were disqualified after the fifth year? 
Prophet Brian Karn said that God is the only employer that will fire you but allow you to continue to work. See, and there is a weight on the calling this morning that I need you to understand. I, I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to live a life that's worthy of the calling. I really want to be about it. I got to be sanctified, set apart, consecrated, useful to the master. I want to live a life that he can pour it in me and know that what he pours in me don't get contaminated, but it comes out just as clean as what he poured in me. The third thing that you got to understand is that God calls you to service. Once the vessel is saved, once the vessel is sanctified, then he'll call you to service. See, he's got to clean all that junk up out of you so that you ain't, so that you ain't leading and bleeding. So you ain't using and abusing. So that you're walking a life that is worthy of the calling. So he saves the vessel. He sanctifies the vessel. And then he uses that vessel for service. He'll take your gifts. He'll take your talents. He'll take your love, your passion, your dreams, and he'll use them. See, he uses his church, but he doesn't just use his church in the church. He uses his church in the world. Colossians 3 and 17 said, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What would happen if everything you did in your life, you did in the name of the Lord Jesus? You serve on your job in the name of the Lord Jesus. And let's be clear because, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to create some religious fanatic that scares more people away from heaven than, than pulls them in. You know, you don't, you don't, Will, you don't, you don't go to work and climb them towers like you do and just be like, hey, Jesus, 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 the whole time. Because people look at you and be like, what's wrong with that dude? <laughs> but you know what you do? When you go in, you do everything you do as you're doing it unto the Lord and not unto men. And when people look at you and say, man, Will, you're one of the hardest workers here. Wh wh what did you do? Did you take some kind of training? You say, nah, man, see, you don't understand. I don't do it like I do it for man. I do it like Jesus is my boss and I'm doing it for him. And so whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, when you talk to people, you need to talk to them in the name of Jesus. When you do work, you need to do work in the name of Jesus. So how do you know if you're ready? I just don't know enough. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't feel ready. Catch this. Corinthians 1, 26. The Apostle Paul speaking says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Just pause right there. Don't even read no further. Just think of what you were when you were called. See, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. Hold on. So in other words, you were untrained, unqualified, and unprepared, a bunch of nobodies, but you were called. I said you were untrained, unlearned, unqualified, but you were called. Paul said, look at what you were when you were called. See, you may have been something, but you were still called. You may have been down and out, but you were still called. You may have been rustling through addiction, but you were still called. Ah, you maybe didn't have it all together, but you were still called. The marriage may have been falling apart, but the calling was falling into place. Think of what you were when you were called. 
I'm so glad we serve a God that you ain't got to have it all together. Because God doesn't call the prepared, he prepares the called. I'm going to say it again. God doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. But what you'll find out, and i got to be quick, what you'll find out is often your preparation, your preparation will often look like pain. It'll look like betrayal. It'll look like those walking out on you that said they'd never leave you nor forsake you. It'll be those that hug you with one hand but stab you with an 18-inch dagger with their other. Come on, somebody. Let's talk about preparation. See, see, if we wanted to prepare ourselves for the, for the ministry, we'd go to cemetery. I mean seminary. See, and... See, if we wanted to prepare ourselves for the calling of God, we would think that we got to check this box and walk this line. But what you'll find out is God will take a shepherd boy. He'll put him on the backside of the desert. He'll let him fight a lion and a bear. And after he shows his proven work there, all of a sudden he said, I got a giant for you. I got something everybody else is scared to fight. But David, you got to go and fight him. See, it was preparation. While David looked like he was being rejected, he was actually being accepted. While it looked like... While it looked like there wasn't no room for him, God said, don't worry, son, you keep doing what you're doing because I'm going to bring you right in the place, in the face of all your haters. I'm about to anoint you right in front of everybody that ever thought that there wasn't nothing inside of you. So he calls us. He calls us to salvation, sanctification, and service. Can I tell you that sometimes criticism from people confirms your calling? It's funny. You know, they, they call me AK, Apostle Kyle now, but do you know, 10 years ago in my ministry, they were telling me that I was demon-possessed, that I was full of a devil, that, that, that my ministry wasn't of God. Oh, y'all ain't ready to have adult conversation in here? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to inform you. They were church people. Church people. But let me tell you something now. I've got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of testimonies that'll say, I don't know who this man is, but I know God's using him. God used this man to fix my marriage, to fix my ministry. Ah, my God, we found out after all, it ain't about the devil. It's about a God who will take a nobody and make him a somebody to tell everybody about Jesus. Let's talk about the qualities of the calling. Because there's two of them that you need to understand. The first thing that you need to understand is the calling cost. I told him Wednesday night, I never, I never get excited when I see great gifting in a man or a woman. If anything, my heart is, is acquainted with grief. Because I know that pain was the level in which they grew. I knew that it was betrayal, rebuke. I knew that it was being lied on, lied about, and lied to to get them where they are. See, whenever I see a man or a woman with great gifting, I, I, I don't desire the gifting. In any, if anything, I see the grief. I understand the pain that's associated with the calling. I understand that no man got what he got, and he just got it to get it. He had to go through some things to get there. 
Reverend, Reverend Leonard Ravenhill said it this way. He said, everybody wants my anointing, but nobody wants my sackcloth and ashes. Don't you ever covet another man's anointing. Don't you ever look at him and say, man, I want to preach like him. I want to sing like her. Because you don't know what they had to go through to get there. And the grace may not be on your life for you to get it. I covet no man's gifting. I covet no man's grace because I understand that there is a process that is attached to that calling. So the first thing that we understand is that the calling cost. Do you understand that when God called Saul, there was a process? Here's the funny thing. He didn't tell him. Paul is on his high horse. He's riding on the road to Damascus to continue the, the beheading of Christians, to continue to, to, to try to squelch a revival that's breaking out. He's riding down his high horse of life, and all of a sudden the Bible says that there showed a bright, bright white light, and it knocked Paul off his horse, and there he was blind, laying on the ground. Can I tell you something? That there was a cost. There was something that had to be deposited in Paul, but God had to remove his vision to give him his new vision so that he I'm talking about process. I'm talking about getting knocked off your horse so you can see Jesus for who he really is. Acts 9 tells us the account of after. Acts 9 and 15, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. My God, I wish you'd catch that this morning. How many chosen instruments are in this room? A chosen instrument. Something that God can put in his hand and wield a revival. Something that God can put in his hand and move the education system. How many chosen instruments are in his hand that he can raise you up? Not for the church pulpit, but for the White House platform that you can go and be a leader of a nation. I need to talk to some destiny in this room this morning and let you understand that you are a chosen instrument. And he says he's going to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the people of Israel. See, I want you to understand something. You are God's chosen instrument in some context. The moment you step out of your calling, though, let me tell you something. You can't step out, of your, you step out into your calling and not step out of your comfort zone. I just want to throw some nuggets to y'all, and then I'm going to be done. You can never step into your calling and not step out of your comfort zone. Comfort and calling are on two opposite spectrums of destiny. And to move from one to the other, you better believe there will always be challenge. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you understand that I firmly believe that Dominion Church is a part of the legacy and destiny that God attached to my life? But let me tell you something. The planting and the birthing of Dominion Church came through the most excruciating season of pain that I've ever been through in my life. They shut down a successful ministry. A covering that I entrusted and shut it down. Fired me. Fired me. Don't worry, we've reconciled everything. I bless them. I bless them even now. Because what I know now is what the enemy intended for evil, God turned around for good. And see, what I understand now is that, 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 that God couldn't do in that place what he's doing in this place. And what I understand now, see, it may be hurting one season, but I'm celebrating it in this season. I'm saying, thank you, God. Lord, you're good. See, what I didn't know is what I wanted to buy, God was going to give me. 
When I wanted to take a loan out, God said, I've already got it for you with your name on it. See, but you got to understand that anytime you're going to step into your calling, you got to step out of comfort. And in a season that caused my head to go low, I found out that weeping may endure through a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Seasons are changing over your calling. There may be ashes now, but I prophesy to you that there will be beauty in the next season. Woo. See, God often uses our deepest pain to launch our greatest calling. And accepting God's call often looks like rejection. (laughs) If you ain't ready to be rejected, you ain't ready for the call of God to be accepted. You're going to have to walk away from some people. You're going to have to walk away from some relationships. You're going to have to walk away from some jobs. You're going to have to walk away from some ministries. You're going to have to walk away because God is going to challenge your comfort to get you into your calling. He will never take your calling and put it in comfort because you got to understand something that comfort is the kryptonite of your calling. It will kill your calling. You can't be called and comfortable. And the moment you do, God will send something to shake it up. He'll send 30,000 gallons of water in a building to keep you on your knees. Hallelujah. So God often uses our deepest pain to launch our greatest calling. I I didn't say that it'll be easy because you'll be rejected. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be laughed at. You'll face spiritual attacks. But let me tell you, your private pain will become the biggest part of your public calling. I need to help somebody that you're in the process. But the process don't look like promise. It feels a lot like pain. See, your private pain will become the platform of your biggest public calling. God will take your pain and allow it to be everyone else's, including your gain. That what was meant to kill you, that was meant to destroy you, that what looked like was burying you was actually planting you. And the seed had to die for what was in you to come out. The second thing that I want you to understand is that the calling sustains. So the calling costs, the calling sustains. Can I tell you that it's the calling that carries you. It's the calling that keeps you. It's the calling that keeps you going regardless of the cost. How did Paul endure? How did he remain faithful without getting discouraged and bitter and quit? How was he brutally persecuted, tortured, imprisoned, and whipped? How was it that he almost drowned on a shipwreck, snake-bitten, beaten, left? He remained faithful. How is it that he was abandoned, betrayed, falsely accused, wrongly imprisoned? How did he persevere when so many else fell away? Because Paul didn't finish because he was competent. Paul finished because he was called. See, and the calling will sustain you. The calling will keep you. That while you may be in adversity, you realize that it's adding a verse to thee. That every bit of your your thing, of what many would say you're losing, you're actually learning. And nothing is lost. It's all in in the name of gain for Jesus' sake. And so we find out that the calling, the calling, the calling 
is the very thing that was sustaining you. Can I be real with you and just give me just two more minutes to tell you this? That there was moments that I wanted to quit, but I couldn't because I was called. There's moments I had every reason to quit, but I didn't because I was called. There's moments that it got so hard that I wrestled spirits of suicide and wanted to die, but I couldn't pull the trigger because I was called. I don't know if I'm being too transparent for some of y'all, but I need you to understand that the calling will sustain you. The calling will keep you. The calling won't let you quit. Paul didn't finish because he was competent. Paul finished because he was called. Philippians 3.13 he said, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I'm called, is what Paul said. See, it's a can't stop, won't stop. I'm called to it mentality. See, you're called to a God that won't go away, won't let go, and never lets up. Matter of fact... Paul said he was hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. He was perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And what did he say? He said, it's not in my competence. It's in the calling of God that I can't quit, won't quit, because I serve a God that will not let go. Matter of fact, Romans 11, Romans 11, and verse 29 says, For the gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. You're called this morning. Let me tell you something. It could be salvation, sanctification, or service. But let me tell you something. That calling, God will never lift off your life. You can live your whole life under this amazing thing called free will. You can go, do, and be all that you want to be. But here's the problem. At the end of it, you'll give an account for the calling that God has mandated from your life. The one thing that nobody else could do but only you. And he's going to stand in front of you. And you're going to give an account on the basis of that calling and living a life worthy of that calling. You don't get to say sorry because the Bible says that it wasn't withdrawn. So therefore, when I'm standing in front of him, it will still be a demand on my life. And much like that video, he's going to say, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Second... Thessalonians, verse 11 and 12. Brooke, if you will, come to the keyboard. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11 through 12 says that we constantly pray for you. Asking our God to enable you to a life, to live a life worthy of his call. And may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I want to just read that last part one more time. It says... That by his power he may bring to fruition every desire for goodness and for your every deed prompted by faith. In verse 12, and we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Stand with me all over the house. Why does God have a calling on your life? Why does he demand something so severe from you? Because at the end of the day, only you can give him the measure of glory that he's put inside of you. We sang a song at the beginning of the service that the whole earth, the whole earth declares his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Here's the most incredible part. That glory is not in rooms, it's in people. He took his kabod, his weight, his glory, his presence, and he put it inside of people. For the kingdom of God is as a treasure hidden in a field, and a man goes to that field, and finding that treasure sells all that he has and buys the field. Why? Because of the 
glory that's in that field. For this treasure is hidden, laid deep inside of earthen vessels. God took the treasure and put it inside of us. And then put a calling on us. And that calling will be the very thing that calls us. As it said in verse verse 12, that we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. There's a measure of glory that only your life can give to Jesus. There's a measure of weight. There's a measure of substance that only your life can give to Jesus. And there's three callings and they're all in this room right now. There's a call of salvation. That God's been chasing after you regardless of how long you've been running. He is for you. He's not against you. He's kept you. He's sustained you. The Bible says whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. It's amazing. We find his calling when we pick up the phone. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The second calling that's in this room is sanctification. And that sanctification, let me tell you something, it's a process. The vessel gets built, but now it has to be washed. It has to be purified. It has to be cleansed. And there's things in all of our life, contaminants, that in the building process of our life were picked up. It's not your fault that you were molested at eight years old. It's a contaminant. Come on, let me talk to some people. It's not your fault, daughter, that when you were 22 years old at a college party, you were raped. It's not your fault. It's a contaminant. It's not your fault that your husband left you and left you with kids said he didn't want anything to do with you. It was a contaminant. It's not your fault that when you were a five-year-old boy and you were excited to get home from school, you came home only to find out that your daddy had left you. It's a contaminant. And God said that you're going to have to go through a process in life, and that process is sanctification. It is the cleansing. It's the regeneration. It's the reviving. It's the washing of God's Word alive in our lives that we begin to come into contact with our pain, but also God's plan. And we find out that though we may have pain, God's plan tells me that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And everything that the enemy intended for evil, God turns around for my good. And what I find out is what I was calling pain actually becomes purpose when it's on the right yeah when it's on the right calling and then there's people in this room and you're called to service you've been saved God's been cleaning up your life you're walking away from sins that so used to e- so e- easily used to entangle you and you're feeling like there's something inside of you You know there's a dream. You know there's a vision. You know there's a purpose. And let me be honest. I am 100% confident. 90% of them are probably outside of this church. Maybe it's a business that you need to do. God's put it in you. You've been dreaming about it. Let me tell you something. Do everything that you do as unto the Lord and not as unto men. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Maybe it's packing your stuff and moving to a foreign country to go lead children in an orphanage and to love them and to be a parent to them. And you can't shake it. I don't know what it is, but I'm confident that there's three callings in this room. Salvation, sanctification, and service. So with every head bowed, every eye closed right now, this is what we're going to do. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I'm lost and I'm undone. I know God has a plan for me but I'm not living for the Lord. And I want to do that today. 
I want to make sure. I want to make my calling and my election sure. I want to make sure that my heart is right with God. Will you slip up your hand? Come on. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I'm lost. Thank you for that hand, son. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? You say, I'm lost. And I, got, I, I know that God is dealing with my heart. Anybody else? Keep them up. Don't, don't put your hand down. We're coming into the throne of grace boldly that we may obtain mercy. If you're here this morning, you say, I'm lost and I'm undone. Just slip your hand up. Keep that hand up. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Listen, the second thing, you're here this morning, you say there's things in my life that God's dealing with me about and I want them cleansed. I want them out of my life. Will you slip your hand up? Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Put them up high on a shame. It's me, you, and Jesus in this room right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The last person, you'd say, you'd say, preacher, I hear you this morning. There's something inside of me. There's a purpose. There's a plan. There's a calling. There's something in my life. God has put a dream. He's put a purpose. I don't want to let it lay dormant anymore. I'm ready to walk in it. Well, if that's you this morning, will you put your hand up? You got a calling on your life. You know you got a calling and you don't feel like you're fulfilling it. 